We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey guys, this is Ian Happ from the Chicago Cubs. I'm excited to announce that my show, The Compound, is now part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Join me and my teammates, Dakota Meckis and Zach Short. This week, we welcome Cubs first baseman, World Series champion, Anthony Rizzo to The Compound. Check it out. Subscribe. The Compound on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown. This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by BetOnline.ag and the FFPC. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Joined by Sean Siegel, uh, one of the the leading lights, one of the stars at Rotoviz.com, and one of the co-owners over there as well. Sean, today's show is going to be an exciting one. We teased it, um, you know, on on the show earlier this week. We're going to be looking at the MFL Ten of Death, a league with a lot of industry experts. People just from uh, the, the who's who almost. So Sean's included, obviously. You have Mike Clay, Pat Thorman, Evan Silva, JJ Zacharyson, Rich Rebar, Mike Beers, who we had on the show a couple of weeks back, Sigmund Bloom, uh, Rumford Johnny, good old buddy of mine, uh, and CD character Scott Barrett. It's just a, a who's who. It's a real uh, league if you want to see where players are landing, where the ADP is going, how those people are making those decisions. Uh, it's a great league just to follow along and see how those picks are made. And we'll be running through uh, a number of the rounds today. We'll be looking at some of the players picked and some of our thoughts on the picks, some of Sean's decision making on his picks. So it's going to be a real fun one uh, to run through. Sean, before we get into that, uh, how are you doing today? Good. Looking forward to this. Obviously, this was a lot of fun a draft that I look forward to every year. Uh, Pat Thorman does a great job with, gets the uh, winning money there to charity. Another uh, excellent thing I think that he has done as he's 
develop this league. And, and certainly a lot of my favorite people, people that I enjoy reading and, and certainly getting to see what they do every year is a real treat for me. And then it's a lot of fun to, to go through, look at some of the picks, sort of see what my uh, strategy was, how that worked in, and then taking the roster construction explorer and going through, looking at my team, looking at some of their teams, trying to find out what it tells us uh, is likely to happen now that we've seen the draft play out. So it's a lot of fun to get those Rotoviz tools in there, really break down the draft and try and figure out how this 2020 season might progress. And speaking of those tools, Sean, of course, this uh, we talk about the FFPC a lot. Uh, a number of the, the tools on the website are specifically for the FFPC. And as we mentioned, on each show, we do have the FFPC stat attack, the FFPC being the home of the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, including Dynasty, Best Ball, and of course, the world-famous FFPC main event. To learn more or to join the league today, head on over to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. And of course, as I've mentioned there, lots of tools up on the website specifically for ffpc domination sean you've been doing us the the courtesy of bringing us those ffpc stat attacks in every show so let us know what today's ffpc stat attack is yeah so at the end of the show i'm going to be asking colin a couple of questions based on the top risers from the last couple of weeks so one of the great things you can do you pull up the ffpc dashboard you can see your exposures you can see the player adp you can also see the risers and fallers from any given time period and you can look at the uh the guys from the early rounds you can look at the guys from the late rounds you can look at just the last couple of weeks you can look at the last several months and see really which players are jumping out and so yesterday i wrote an article looking at these top risers and try to decide if they were buy holds or sells we're going to force column to ask answer those questions at the end of the show but right now i wanted to mention those big risers and looking at the sort of higher value rounds here we have julian edelman a 12.7 pick rise in daily ADP over the last uh, two and a half weeks. We have Irv Smith, whom we talked about on the Tuesday show, a 9.6 pick rise. And Ronald Jones, a 7.5 pick rise. Jones probably will factor into our discussion even before we get back to this. A little bit interesting to see him rising. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn is falling to balance a little bit of that out. But to see Jones rise into a situation here where we have some uh, Devonte Freeman rhetoric or at least discussion relating to the Buccaneers is an interesting one uh, perhaps we'll find out if column is buying or selling based on that at the end of the show but those are our FFPC stat attack numbers you can get in there check out all of the ADPs and again as we mentioned on Tuesday you can do that in best ball redraft dynasty whatever your preferred format is absolutely and uh, without further ado let's jump straight in to the mfl 10 of death so the article itself covers all 20 rounds every pick from the top experts and what roth what the roster construction explorer has to say about them so what we'll do is we'll be kind of picking out certain rounds picking out certain players giving our thoughts on those um, and some of the tactics that sean has employed so sean i guess when we look at it the first round obviously is uh, where most people want to start what i'd probably say is in terms of the overall uh, maybe if you want to do it, the overall uh, scoring format, just to, to give the listeners a you know a behind the scenes of the the scoring standards, and then we'll we'll look through the picks after that. 
Yeah, so this is just a, your regular best ball format. A uh, little bit more emphasis on the wide receivers with that extra spot there. You know, you've got to fill out your flex. So it really is a, a race to win the flex that we talk about on the show fairly consistently. You want to get that wide receiver position really well filled out. But obviously, you also want to get those high-end running backs. We've talked on the show. We had Mike Beers on. Definitely go check out uh, the two big-time best ball episodes with him that we did recently he's in this draft it'll be interesting to see what he's done and i think for these first couple of rounds there weren't a ton of surprises we had the big five go off the board to start that big five at running back and then a few wide receivers start to trickle off ryan forbes picked michael thomas at seven i got Devonte adams at nine and then came back around and i selected deandre hopkins in the second round Instead of picking Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, we talked with Mike a couple weeks ago on how that was a little bit controversial. Colin, I wanted to ask you, DeAndre Hopkins here, you look at him over his career, probably that second guy below Julio Jones. If we look at the group of wide receivers who have been in the NFL for a while now, now Michael Thomas, I think, has jumped up to that number one spot. Hopkins may still be at number two, sliding ahead of Julio Jones, but definitely one of those top three guys. He's saying that he's going to increase his production this year, going to Arizona's air raid. I don't know that the overall community is necessarily buying that. There's going to be some competition there. He's got Larry Fitzgerald. He's got Christian Kirk. Uh, Some questions on if the offense works really well, will they end up actually emphasizing Kenyon Drake quite a bit? Do you like Hopkins to sort of bounce back to his biggest season numbers here in 2020? Well, I think what we're going to see is we're going to certainly see. I'd be, I would be shocked if we don't see him as a wide receiver one come the end of the season, purely on how much I expect that offense to use him. So I think we're going to see high end numbers from him. That's a, a certainty. The the one concern, and we've talked about this on a, the podcast a number of times, is when a player leaves one offense and joins another. Sometimes there's little teething problems, and sometimes there's huge teething problems, and it it doesn't always work out for that kind of marriage, I guess, of the the new player and the new team and things working out. Whether that's free agency, whether that's been traded, um, that would be the one concern with Hopkins. I think that it's going to be pretty up tempo in Arizona this year. I think they're going to use him a lot. I think they're going to use him creatively, um, and I think that you know taking him at this point is perfectly fair. Um, when we look at the the wide receivers, Sean, you've already mentioned you know Adams and Thomas going in the first round. Second round, then we start off with a little bit of a wide receiver run and Hill, Jones, Godwin, and Hopkins. And you know, I I honestly, if I was in this draft, I'd probably be taking Hopkins at that point. Uh, you know, as the third wide receiver off the board uh, before Tyreek Hill, before Julio, before Godwin. So I guess in that situation, I'm pretty um, high on what I expect him to do this season. Would you? I know you picked him at that spot at two o four. If you were picking at the 201 spot, would you have rathered some of those other three that I mentioned in Godwin, uh, Jones, or Hill? Or would you have still have went Hopkins if you were picking a little bit earlier? I think that Hill probably is a better bet purely from a football perspective. Even though I'm a huge Chiefs fan, I tend not to own Hill that often because some of the off-the-field stuff, both in that I try to avoid those guys a little bit, but also because I do think that that creates a little bit of uncertainty that anytime something could blow up on you that would take him out for the season 
uh, purely from a fantasy scoring perspective and certainly in best ball. I mean, his upside is so immense in terms of what I think this Chiefs offense is going to do this year. But then after that, I think Hopkins is probably the guy for me. Now, you mentioned that switching teams can be a problem. Uh, Blair's had a wrong read on that. The numbers do tend to go down. Uh, Jack Miller, who's had a lot of crazy good stuff in the last couple of months, has done an updated version of that for 2020, looking at it from a slightly different perspective. Certainly seeing, again, that yes, that is an issue wide receivers changing teams you want to be very leery of that i think that this offense you mentioned the pace uh certainly kyler murray we're very excited about i think there's a high floor high ceiling sort of situation here where even if my preferred scenario where he really lights the world on fire doesn't happen i don't think with his talent in this offense that you're looking at him completely uh, just you know falling through the floor which would be the only thing that would really keep me away from drafting him at this spot kind of getting that elite wide receiver wide receiver start here then going into round three i picked aj brown we discussed some of the concerns with his consistency his ultimate upside given that titans offense which i guess i'm a little bit leery of but certainly in a best ball format where you're not going to have to be as worried that you might bench him at some point aj brown you're probably not going to bench him if you're in the situation like we were with uh, Stefan Diggs after the first month last year where you're even considering that then things have probably gone wrong for you but I like him even more in this best ball format where I do think he's going to have some absolutely monster weeks there is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners betonline.ag sports are slowly making their way back and betonline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC NASCAR boxing and soccer matches and if you need even more they have simulated NFL NBA and UFC simulations all day every day live on their website looking for something else other than sports betonline has hundreds of casino games poker tournaments and prop bets to check out visit betonline.ag and use the promo code bluewire for a free well Welcome bonus. That's one word, Blue Wire. Bet online, your online wagering experts. What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business, and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code. 2020 RV radio at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now back to the show. Then going into round four, Zach Ertz to make sure we get that tight end. We want to have one of those top four guys and to have this elite receiver start with the tight end there, I felt then I could really do whatever I wanted going forward. Looking at some of these picks in round four, and I picked out throughout the draft, I picked what I consider the best pick in each round. And really, as I talk about in, in the article, that just means that's the pick I was most envious of at the time. And then the most provocative pick. And that doesn't necessarily, it certainly doesn't mean bad pick. It can be an intriguing pick. It can mean one where we saw someone gamble on their guy, something that I, I like to see players do, or just a pick that maybe pointed us in a different direction in terms of roster construction for that particular owner. And so here in round four, we have Calvin Ridley as the best pick. We mentioned him on Tuesday as one of the most undervalued players. Jonathan Taylor, fourth round, we're seeing him drop 
And I think Taylor could have round one upside at the same time, especially in this sort of abbreviated offseason and with the depth chart that he's facing. I mean, we could see some huge downside for Taylor. He might even be one of those guys who you really need to look forward to to 2021. As a provocative fourth round pick, do you like Taylor here? I've, you know, I mentioned on the show earlier this week about Naheem Hines being one of the kind of underrated players. I think in terms of the, the running backs, although in Dynasty, you know, we, we really do love Taylor, I think, in redraft. I think, as you mentioned, it might be a season away. It might be one of those things that it breaks through for him as the season progresses, similar to what we've seen with the Miles Sanders last season. Obviously, that'll obviously really help <laughs> come the end of the season in your best ball leagues. But uh, I think I'd be kind of holding off a little bit. It is a, a, a provocative pick at that point point i think when i look at round four i just see the wide receiver talent and obviously some of these were off the board before the pick but you have calvin ridley alan robinson you took zach ertz then you have cooper cup uh, robert woods after that terry mcclurin after that tyler lockett after that just a, a number of players that i'd be taking in that area and woods mcclurin and lockett all went after jonathan taylor so i think i would be making the wide receiver pick there um rather than going with the running back the next round up sean in round five uh, you know some very interested in picks there and Raheem Mostert is continuing to uh, move up the ranks. And I know on Rotoviz Radio, um, they came out on Monday, Dave Cavan and Matthew Freeman talked about, about the, the backfield of the, the 49ers, a little bit of a hard area to decipher, an area that I'm kind of staying away from, particularly again when I mentioned the players going in that area. But you mentioned the best pick being DJ Chark, Rich Rebar taking him off the board at 506. Uh, I, I just think the sky's the limit for Chark this uh, this season. I think it's going to be a really, really interesting season. I think he could really just be a, a smash pick at that point. Um, I mentioned there Mostert. You actually have him in as a provocative pick. I think it's a it's a tricky one. I, I, I don't think I could confidently pull the trigger at that point uh, myself. And then your pick was Devin Singletary, who heading into the draft, you know, was one of my biggest targets in terms of trying to trade to acquire. Um, obviously, uh, the, the situation now with Zach Moss there is his, um, you know, secondary running back and see how things shake out there still have confidence and in, in target and singletary and trying to get him on my roster so when we look through the picks you know in terms of the opportunity to get uh taylor in the fourth round versus to get singletary in that fifth round around later i think i would be leaning like you did to get uh to get singletary if you had the option and you had the ability uh in that fourth round to, to get him or in the fifth round to get singletary which which of them would you be most actively targeting out of the Singletary pick at his ADP and Taylor at his ADP. I like Singletary at his ADP. Probably not a huge surprise since I picked him here. I think it would be a more <laughs> difficult question if it was Taylor versus Singletary head to head in the fourth. I think Singletary would still be a good value there. I'm he's one of the guys that I end up with a lot because I think that he's going about around later than you could make a good argument for, and so I deviate from the wide receiver heavy strategy to make sure i pick him up i think that we could look at him going into 2021 as being a second round draft pick and we talk a lot on the show about trying to hit people we really expect to move up two three four rounds for that pick next year Mostert is one of those interesting guys and the question that i ask in the article and the question that i sort of have for you but you've you've answered as we as we've gotten to this point is <laughs> is he really just a better version of Kenyon drake but at a four round discount or is he the next sort of Kyle Shanahan league winner who then finds himself reburied on the depth chart? And, and this is a very difficult question here because certainly the upside for Mostert 
what he did in terms of showing off the efficiency, showing off the on-field play speed. Uh, very, very high. Certainly this offense is going to score a lot of points. They're going to score a lot of points to the running backs. At this point, it's a little bit more difficult, I think, to be excited about a Tevin Coleman, about a Jarek McKinnon. Uh, some of those secondary guys in this offense, now that we've seen what Mostert can do, but again, so much of that is just what we saw him do recently. And certainly if Tevin Coleman had had one of those big games instead, if he had hit the holes, if those holes had materialized for him, then you know we'd probably be talking about Coleman as a third or fourth round pick simply because we've seen him do it a little bit before with Shanahan in Atlanta. So Definitely a tricky question there. I think Mostert could be a league winner. He's not one of the guys that I'm necessarily hitting myself simply because it could go so many different directions uh, at that point. A fifth round pick, still a lofty price to pay. As we see from the sixth round where we have all kinds of exciting players go off the board. My pick for the best pick was Marquise Brown. My pick was Debo Samuel. Uh, The provocative picks I think here, we get to that trio of quarterbacks the roster construction explorer tells us that round six is sort of the first round where a quarterback doesn't absolutely kill you but there's still plenty of reason to continue to wait one of the things i thought was very interesting here is that this is an experts draft quarterbacks tend to fall even a lot further in the expert drafts than they do in other drafts now i think that sometimes is a mistake that the high stakes owners who tend to be a little bit earlier on qbs have it right We see that in the Roster Construction Explorer, the high-stakes owners tend to have it right. But that's why I think this was so interesting here, that we saw the experts sort of move in a different direction, uh, saw them take Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, in this, and Dak Prescott in this round six area. Are those guys that you like this early in best ball? I think that's the sweet spot in round six for those three guys in particular. You know, I, I don't, I wouldn't be making the move in round five, and I wouldn't uh, then when we look at some of the quarterbacks that are gone a little bit after. I'd say Russell Wilson probably in the eighth round. You, you start to get into you know the consistency of those players, and I think when we look at Dak Prescott, uh, we look at Deshaun Watson, we look at Kyler Murray. I think we're going to see the advantage obviously of the russian production as well particularly on baseball so i would be quite happy with any of those three guys in the sixth round personally i'd probably like to wait another couple of rounds but you know when you're starting to establish the the quarterback position as you've talked about many times uh, with the roster construction explorer i think having one of those three guys as your base foundation in that sixth round is a is a pretty smart move you know you're getting into that sixth round with guys like evan ingram you took, you took samuel as you mentioned cream hunt mark ingram landry boyd uh, AJ Green, uh, Crowder, and Brown. So I think when you're in that range where you may have uh, a running back and three, four wide receivers or your tight end there as well, I think that's a, a position where those uh, quarterbacks are more valuable than the players that are kind of going in that range around them. And um, when we look then, Sean, into round seven, uh, Rob Gronkowski shows up his name again uh, in this round. CD Carter taking him at 702. We're looking at the tight end position, Sigmund Bloom with Tyler Higby. Um, Noah Fant then so we're going heavy tight end to start this this particular round um, and then your pick McCall Hardman who we've talked about on the show a number of times what's your thoughts on those particular tight ends because I know we talked um, on the show earlier this week about a number of tight ends um, including Higby's uh, running mate and Gerald Everett um, what's your thoughts on those three guys they're three players that I think there's better values as we get further on at the tight end position later on what, what's your thoughts on those three picks uh, to start the seventh round 
This is difficult, I think, because these are three of my favorite targets in Dynasty Leagues. I think these tight ends uh, can score some points. Certainly, Higby is maybe older than people realize. Uh, that might neutralize a little bit of the breakout enthusiasm that we had for him, but certainly he's in a position where he could score a lot of points. Rob Gronkowski, if you're looking for that one-year bump, I think uh, in a position where he's actually going to do better than his ADP currently suggests. Fanta, an interesting breakout candidate although you've got the very crowded depth chart there in Denver. These three guys were, as a group, the provocative choice for round seven because the roster construction explorer and what we know about the shape of tight end scoring suggests that we should either grab one of those early guys or we should wait not really to the second tier, but really to that third tier or what you might consider the bottom half of the second tier. Try to make sure we are hitting wide receiver, we're hitting running back in this range. And so I think this is a difficult choice because I can certainly see all three of those guys being people who are league winners at the end of the season. At the same time, uh, history hasn't been kind to tight ends drafted in this particular range. So uh, certainly some different directions those are pointing in. Obviously, I went in the different direction of making a different kind of reach by taking McCole Hardman a big reach by ADP we mentioned him I made some big claims about him on the mailbag so if you want to hear more Hardman thoughts make sure you go and check that out we get into round eight here column and things flatten out a little bit more of your uh, vanilla wide receivers going round nine People are trying to fill out maybe the positions that they really need somebody at. I picked Ronald Jones, who we're going to talk about at the end of the show. Moving then into round 10, picked Philip Lindsay. He may or may not be somebody we talked about on Tuesday in terms of one of the most undervalued players in drafts. We get into round 11 here, and we start to have people having to make some tricky choices. We have Dallas Goddard as the best pick by J.J., my pick Matthew Stafford this I think is the way to play the Lions passing game certainly like him Galladay very expensive should have a great season interesting I think at the running back position and then we like TJ Hawkinson then moving into round 12 here we have the best pick I have Nikhil Harry the provocative pick uh, Rashad Perryman my pick there is Zach Moss not necessarily looking for both parts of this backfield but i like both guys i'm taking one of the two of them in almost every draft in this particular draft both guys were so inexpensive that i thought they were the best pick sort of regardless of having both i think there's the potential here now too that if we have an injury or we if we have an emergence from moss that one of these guys is definitely going to score enough points to make this running back position not a problem with how wide receiver heavy my draft was Colm, I want to look back at this provocative pick here. Look at the Jets. We have Brashad Perryman now on his fourth team in four years, but showing some real fireworks at the tail end of both the 2018 and the 2019 seasons. Looking at this Jets wide receiver depth chart, who do you like here? Is Brashad Perryman finally going to get to be the number one, or are we going to see a career season from Jamison Crowder, perhaps even a rookie breakout from Denzel Mims? I think again we'll look at this purely for this season. Uh, might take Mims a bit of time to get going, but I talked before the draft. I thought the Jets was a good landing spot. I think he could easily pass uh, all wide receivers on the step chart moving forward. Um, the player, if I was targeting one of these wide receivers for twenty twenty, would be Crowder over 
Perryman. Um, and then uh, I'd probably be still pushing for Mims over Perryman as well. It's just an area where I just don't think the consistency is there. We've seen again a little bit like, uh, you know, we talked about Moser. We've seen a tiny sample size over a couple of games to end the season. And we're, you know, putting that into our expectations for this season. And in this situation as well, Perryman has moved to a different offense um, and, and things are changing up quite a bit. So he he wouldn't be somebody I'd be targeting um, at this particular point. I would rather either of the other two Jets wide receivers. Uh, do you think I'm being too harsh on Perryman at that point? Um, is he somebody that you've been picking up or would you rather one of those other two guys as well? This round now was particularly uh, interesting. We've mentioned uh, Anthony Muller a couple of times in the show as well, the Bears wide receiver. Uh, interesting pick by Zacharyson just before you picked Moss. And, you know, you mentioned Moss as well. In terms of landing spot, I was hoping, you know, Buffalo would just go with Singletary but I, I didn't fully expect that to happen and Moss is somebody as well who has a lot of talent and, and could have an impact on his own so I think those two guys working together could both be fantasy relevant in 2020 and if either are uh, gets injured the other guys in for a, a huge opportunity so having both of those guys in the roster that was something I was going to ask you was it intentional or was it just something that happened but I think it both values um you know, locking up that Buffalo backfield, uh, smart move there. But back to the the Jets. What's what's your thoughts on the the wide receivers? Am I being too harsh on Perryman? I think probably we've loved Jamison Crowder. He was one of those guys we were originally uh, really pushing as a breakout candidate. After he did that and then had a down season, he was one of the guys we advertised as really hitting the bounce back wide receiver criteria, and he did that. He's been a good value for fantasy owners through most seasons. I think the tricky part here is that uh, the expectation of what he's going to do in this offense this year has moved him up into an area of the draft where I think it's tricky. I mean, he went at the tail end of round six. If you're asking me about Crowder in round six versus Perryman in round 12, I will take Perryman, who I think has the chance to be the, the big time threat they need, the vertical threat they need, the guy who can help lift Sam Darnold and this offense in 2020. I think that, as you mentioned, Mims could have a big impact at the second half of the season. Certainly 2021, we like him and think that he's a good fit there. I think for the Jets to be what they want to be, certainly what they need to be, you're going to have to see Darnold finally take this big step, become one of maybe not the top 10, but one of the top 15 quarterbacks in the NFL. And for him to do that, I think it's going to take Perryman. I like that gamble in this range. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. That might be something that we keep a track of uh, as the season goes along. Um, you know, I just I just wish it was Robbie Anderson rather than Brishad Perry. <laughs> but um, you know, it's just um, I still I still have a lot of questions around Perryman um, over the long term. We look down, Sean, through a couple of the other rounds now. Looking at round thirteen, we'll let the listeners then look through the last couple of rounds by themselves but this is an interesting one where Jordan Howard who you've mentioned on the show a couple of times and I think you mentioned it on the mailbag as well as somebody who is brutally overlooked in terms of his actual NFL production um, versus what people's expectations of him are uh, Scott Barrett taking him at 1301 uh, I think both of the both of the Miami Dolphins running backs are interesting targets this year, both uh, Howard and Breida. Um, I think, you know, there, there's opportunities there for both of them. Uh, Randall Cobb going to Sigmund Bloom at 13.03. Dee Westbrook next off the board. Then Alexander Madison, James Washington to Rich Rebar, and then Mike Clay taking to Sean Jackson. AJ Dillon going the way of Sean Siegel again. You know, when we're looking at zero RB candidates, Sean, I know there'll be pieces coming out and you'll be mentioning them 
I think AJ Dillon, from talking to you on a weekly basis, is likely to be somewhere on that list, and I think that makes sense with that pick. Uh, then Paris Campbell, Jalen Rieger, um, you know, a pretty smart later round pick there, thir- 13-11 from Evan Silva, uh, and then Chris Herndon coming off the board um, from Pat Thorman, one of the kind of later uh, tight ends that I like to target at the current moment. Um, Sean, AJ Dillon, are you happy in that area? Is that somebody who, as I mentioned, do you think he's one of those kind of zero RB prime candidates for 2020? He is, and I like him especially in best ball because you have that touchdown upside without having to be quite as concerned that he has the weekly receiving floor that you might need if you're going to be trying to start him all the time. Jamal Williams, eight double-digit scoring games as Jones understudy a year ago, but the Packers obviously regretted the loss of explosiveness when their starter left the field. Uh, a Derek Henry clone here, he's not going to have that problem of losing the explosiveness. Uh, I think that he is going to have enough big games to certainly, again, help you fill out your running back position late. The next article that I have coming out for the site is about how if wide receiver is deep, then running back is bottomless. Now, a little bit of that is tongue-in-cheek, but the idea there is that we're seeing a ton of running back depth with the rookies who've come in to the NFL this season. And to have Dylan at 13.09, I think really illustrates just how easy it is to fill up those running back spots with guys who have a ton of upside. Certainly we hope Aaron Jones stays healthy. He's been one of our favorite players. He should be a big time scorer again this season. You look at this, if something should happen, I mean, AJ Dillon right away is going to be a league winning type of player, plenty of standalone value in this range. I wanted to ask you quickly. I think it's interesting that we get Rager and Jackson within just a handful of teams of each other here within a handful of picks. Do you prefer Rager or D Jacks for 2020? Yeah, it's really close. There's only three three picks between. Um, uh, also, just was to throw into this news, um, I seen news today that uh, Alshon Jeffrey has no timetable yet for his return. So that obviously helps both of these guys. I th- I think this offense, you know, in terms of explosive, needs at minimum one of these guys in the offense. Uh, hopefully, two of them. Um, I think I would, uh, you know, in terms of looking at the rookie, I think I'd be taking a, a shot there um, on him at this point. A couple of just a couple of picks later, but. Uh, uh, Sean Jackson, as we know, when he's there in best ball leagues, can have a phenomenal impact. But he has been consistently injured over the, the last uh, couple of seasons. There has been some healthy spots here and there, but uh, that just immediately has me far concerned with him. I've been I've been burnt on that uh, too many times, uh, and I, I think I'd be waiting and going with Rager. What about yourself, Sean? Uh, just before we jump back into seeing some of the teams that you think could go all the way and win this with the the best ball explorer which of the two would you be uh, gravitating towards i like rager as well i think he's going to be sort of the rookie who has the best early chance to really break out obviously some risk but that's not a certain that's not a, a particularly early draft pick so at that range i think the risk is fine uh djax not one of those guys who actually fits the bounce back criteria very well doesn't mean he couldn't do it, right? We certainly see Deshaun Jackson when he is on the field, when he is with a quarterback who can threaten deep, then you know, he's a weapon who any given week could go off for 170 yards and two touchdowns. That fits into a best ball lineup very, very nicely. It's just a matter of uh, the consistency with both the attitude, the effort, certainly the injuries, uh, Right about the time that this pick happened, the news came out. Again, I don't think necessarily a surprise, but certainly the Eagles saying they expected him to lead the team in receiving. If he does that, if he stays healthy for the season, then he's going to be a home run in that range. 
Yeah, that's that's pretty fair. When we look at some of the teams, Sean, that you know you've you've highlighted the teams that might frighten you the most. Uh, looking at where things are are running at, uh, you've highlighted Scott Barrett's team as as one off those teams. Uh, the other team, no surprise that you've highlighted as Mike Beers, uh, and the other team is Ryan Forbes. Um, what what had the best ball explorer to, to show about these teams? And no surprise, looking at uh, Mike's range of outcomes, it's uh, pretty green across the board. <laughs> Yeah, Mike has a great lineup put together here. Uh, starting out with Scott. Scott is the defending champion. We certainly want to give him credit for that. Uh, he did it without Christian McCaffrey last year, which uh, <laughs> obviously about two-thirds of the team did. But but if you had McCaffrey, that's a huge weapon, a 37% win rate. Scott ends up with the number one pick the year after winning. And so I think this gives him a great chance to repeat. He does have McCaffrey this season. You pull up the range of outcomes tool and you see just what a massive gap there is for McCaffrey in terms of what his range of outcomes are compared to really anybody else. Certainly if McCaffrey isn't injured, then he's going to have a high win rate again, even from the 101. Scott also used sort of a, an unusual construction that we've profiled recently in the best ball workshop. And that's the running back times three start with only four total running backs. Now we've talked a lot about having a running back heavy start, uh, surprisingly, perhaps with how many points running back score 2017, 2018, 2019, it still has been a very poor start, both from a win rate perspective and from a top six perspective over that time period. Again, you just simply need the wide receivers and the firepower that they give you both for their own spots and for the flex position so badly to be competitive. However, if you go with only four total running backs, then your win rate jumps to 9.3%. Certainly, as long as you get that eight wide receivers, which Scott did, then your win rate jumps a little bit higher that than that. I certainly like his chances when you consider both his star with McCaffrey and then his overall team construction, running back heavy, but then stopping. So then you mentioned Mike. Mike's win rate projected, uh, I think, even higher. You get a chance to, to see what he's done here. He incorporates the running back lesson, the QB lesson, the tight end lesson. And anyone who's not familiar with what we're talking about there, I just head to the site, check out my author archive. You're going to see the best ball workshops sprinkled in throughout that. When you combine those lessons the way Mike did, then his win rate projects to be almost 16%. Now, you know whether that holds completely to that level going forward, we might want to have a little bit of skepticism with that. But the win rate and the top six percentage, just so high. Certainly, if you're trying to play in a league where you're just trying to get in the top half, then what Mike has done here is going to be very, very successful. And then I mentioned Ryan's team because uh, he's always been a very good player in this particular league i always track what he does in a draft he started with the michael thomas travis kelsey beginning which we focused on in one of the lessons the different two round starts and this two round start actually has the highest win rate over the last several years now you wouldn't necessarily think that that would be the case but when you think about what he's done with his team he's got michael thomas the nfl's best wide receiver and potentially best wide receiver right now for fantasy by a wide margin and then you have travis kelsey the nfl's best tight end and again for fantasy maybe the best tight end by a wide margin now i'm a kittle fan there are a lot of kittle fans out there reason to believe that he could have a big season but when you compare what the two offenses do then certainly i don't think it's that provocative a claim or that controversial to suggest that kelsey may have the higher ceiling may even by a little bit if the chief's offense needs to get it fired back up certainly you look at what 
the Broncos have done. You look at what the Raiders have done. Uh, these AFC West games may be a little bit higher scoring again, maybe more shootouts if some of the opponents actually can keep up. The Chiefs didn't really face a whole lot within their division last year. Uh, so when you look at a team that starts with Thomas and Kelsey as their foundation and has the best guys at those positions, and then Ryan does a fantastic job uh, sort of pivoting from position to position through the rest of the draft, I really like what he's done. Yeah, some really interesting stuff to run through and as we, we kind of hit most of the rounds there sean we left out the last kind of five six rounds and uh we left out some spots in the middle so i would urge the listeners to go over and check that out up on the site uh really fun to read through see where uh, some some of the analysts have drafted and the teams they've ended up with so do check that out sean i know to finish up you wanted to, to put me on the spot here a little bit to end the show so uh whatever you have in store for me uh i'll let you go ahead yeah, so we're just going to do sort of a rapid fire, sort of our uh, old school overtime segment here, where we're going to look at these risers, the guys that I profiled in the article earlier this week, and you're just going to simply say buy, hold, or sell at their new prices. Julian Edelman, we talked about in the FFPC stat attack at the beginning, he's ridden, risen almost 13 point uh, slots in the last couple of weeks. Uh, he's still sitting in that wide receiver, a 35, 36 range, which uh, in some ways seems to make sense based on all the changes in uh, New England and how old he is at this point. The fact that he's not targeted deep and he doesn't run after the catch. And yet he was the wide receiver seven last year. Buy, hold, or sell at this new ADP. This is already tough one based on tom brady not being there i think in redraft uh i would be i'd be passing on it um, i actually picked him up in a trade for a third round pick uh, during the the rookie draft this year so um you know i was just trying to push a contender over the line but not somebody i have confidence and i think there's a lot of what he was doing was related to tom brady and the option rights and i, I don't know if we'll see the same uh, with the quarterback options that are in new england for this season Er smith we discussed him on Tuesday's show, as one of the most undervalued players in fantasy, he's jumped from pick 150 to 140 by holder sell. I would be buying. I think it's a, as we talked about in the show earlier in the week, smart choice. And I think that ADP is likely to continue to uh, move up here over the coming weeks. Ronald Jones, he was my round nine pick in the MFL 10 of death that we just finished discussing. He's now moved up from the 80 range uh, into the 70s buy hold or sell with all the craziness in buccaneer land i definitely be holding um at this point um he's starting to get into the buy range again um i think Keyshawn vaughn has kind of the expectations in his adp are are going a little bit uh, ahead of themselves i think it's an interesting one I, I still have hope for ronald jones i do as well so hopefully uh we will see his adp and not continue to rise so we can continue to get him at some good prices <laughs> Let, let's hope so um usually talking about them on the podcast and sean given his uh positive thoughts on them isn't a good way to help adp decline but let's see what what happens over the coming weeks but uh, a lot of fun today running through uh the mfl te- 10 of death uh, draft it's one of the first drafts we can run through and a whole view it gives you a good expectation of where uh, some of those adps are currently sitting and getting sean's thought processes between players to pick in certain areas and in those rounds there'll be a lot more of that coming as we get ready for you know 
more drafts. We're obviously talking a lot of baseball, and then it's going to go into redraft, and it's going to continue on from there. It's just going to be a fun cycle now as we get ready for the 2020 season. Thanks once again to everyone who did tune in today. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you didn't listen to the show earlier this week, head on over and check that out. We covered a lot of good ground on that at the uh, most underrated players heading into redraft for 2020. Well worth a listen. Some great insights on it. And until we're back with another show next week, of course, please do rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcast app. My name's Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtimeart and join again by Sean Siegel. Make sure you're checking out all of Sean's great work up on the website. And of course, if you do sign up, uh, go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. Get yourself that 10% discount to Rotaviz NFL Pass. And with that, all that's left to say is have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with this country, the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.